0: Good morning. I am, uh, okay, every Sunday, I always get a little bit nervous. And, you know, who, who I, who, I was talking to someone, I think Mike and Kalina. Every Sunday, I always get nervous to, to stand up. here. It's like a half nervous, half excitement, half uh, making sure that I'm saying the right thing. So if I just throw out some bad jokes, as always, you guys can just brush it over. Hopefully, you know it by now. Um, as Gavin had mentioned, I'm very excited to start uh, a new series with us this Sunday is called The Assurance of Our Salvation. Thanks, Mike. Um, I think he's encouraging me. I don't know if he's making fun of me or he's encouraging me, but thank you. I will take it as an encouragement. So the the intent and the heart of this uh, new series is to help us, all of us, establish a firm foundation in our salvation. It may be a reminder for some of us. If it is a reminder, it's always good to be reminded of our salvation. To understand what it is, and what it costs, and what we have through our sal- uh, salvation in Jesus. And because it's, it's something that we're standing on, right? Because of we want to be reminded of the foundation that we, we base our principles on, our life decisions on, and, and the things that we do in terms of our beliefs and what have you. So it's always good to be reminded of that once in a while, if it is a reminder for, for some of us. Um, the intent is to help us have a better understanding, as I said earlier, to, to, to know what is salvation, right? A lot of times people hear the word like, you're being saved. Are you saved? Are you not saved? What it is? What is salvation? Why do we need salvation? How do we talk about salvation to others who doesn't have the, the background or the understanding of a biblical term or who, who don't go to church, which is, that's what we need to talk to. Those are the people we want to talk to. Right? And then how to, for us to live in the fullness of the salvation that we have received in Jesus. So as we, come in, as we come to an understanding of what it is to be saved, it will allow us to be able to walk more confidently, to live courageously, to live boldly and make decisions uh, that may seem impractical to most everyone else, but we're trusting because we are God's people. We're making decisions and doing the things that God has called us to do, and be more secure. And the reason I say to live courageously and more securely as, as people of God, as we come to um, know our salvation, truly know our salvation, we will know that Jesus had died for us once and for all, right? So we don't need to be insecure and worried like, well, I, I repented once, but I've done some bad things, so do I need to repent again? Uh, does Jesus need to die for me again? we will know that he died for us once and for all and that's it and no one nothing ever ever did i say that ever ever take that away from us take our salvation from us we 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 know this i think i have this verse up there from uh, john 10 jesus said this i give them eternal life that's us or those who have salvation and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand my father Who has given them to me is greater than all, greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So that is something that we need to be established and need to be reminded all the time. Even for me, sometimes it's good for me to be reminded through our conversation with Vanessa and sometimes it's good for us to be together with people um, who, who knows Jesus so we can encourage and remind each other. It may seem very simple, it may seem like a given, but... There will be times when there are lies and accusations and doubts and struggles and obstacles that will come along, and we will need to be reminded of that fact so we can stand firm and say, hey, I am God's people. This is not going to happen to me, whatever that is. But anyway, firstly, let's talk about why we need to talk about salvation, both among ourselves and with others outside the church. And it's important for us to acknowledge and tell people that every single one of us was born with a a sinful gene, a a sinful DNA, right? That was within us, that was passed down from first man, which was Adam. So if the term sin offends us, or some of you, you can replace it with pride, arrogance, uh, self-righteousness, selfishness, whatever it is, it is sin. Uh, And if you feel offended, you may be a little bit self-righteous, because we know throughout the history of mankind no one is righteous. No one. There was only one person who was born righteous and lived a righteous, perfect life, and his name was Jesus. The reason we know that no one is, is, um, has ever lived a righteous life was from Romans 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. So none of us were born righteous or lived a righteous life on our own efforts. This includes me and... Um, I think highly of myself. I'm just kidding. So in, I'm just trying to make a joke here. You guys are all serious. It, it is a serious topic, but, but it's, it's, you know, it includes all of us because no one is righteous. And, and we should not be offended by that. We should acknowledge and realize that. So then if we really honest with ourselves, not only us, the people who have lived here, but like I was saying earlier, no one who has ever lived is righteous. No one can ever say that we have lived a righteous life. Um, However, we can get rid of this. We talked about this a lot. We can get rid of this sinful uh, gene or that DNA and, and live a righteous life. And this is by accepting Jesus and inviting him to come into our lives and transform us. So that's the key. Invite him to come into our hearts and transform us. It's not about us trying to do anything. Invite Jesus to come into our hearts and allow him to work things out within us. Um, because that's what Jesus came to do. We should know that. That's what he came to do. It's, it's from Luke 5, verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right? That's what he came to do. And the topic for, for uh, our need for salvation is a very challenging topic to talk about. For those of you, and I, uh, I know because I work full-time, so I'm always every day in contact with those who are outside the church. And it's a very challenging topic to talk about, salvation, right? Because I know, firstly, people will argue against the existence of Adam and Eve and use science and uh, evolution as their defense, right? I'm saying this because I was a strong advocate for the, that argument of science and evolution in the past i think we're playing some game right okay but briefly briefly i just want to uh, address that you know briefly we we have talked about this in the past is briefly science absolutely cannot explain the existence of the universe or how nothing became something science doesn't ex- doesn't tell you about the flaws in the radiocarbon dating you know that's the uh measuring of the half-life and the isotopes in carbon 14 in terms of how the, rab- uh, ra- the carbon dating is, is affected by cosmic rays and the human activity since the industrial age or how it's affected by the atomic bomb testing. Those things affect the, the, the accuracy of radiocarbon dating. And regarding evolutions, it's an even weaker argument. We talked about this a lot. Is as I don't see any half-apes and half human walking around, right, because we talked about how apes become human. There should be some in the metamorphosis stage walking around somewhere, but there isn't. So secondly, it's difficult to talk about these topic with other people because people are so set on science, but they, sometimes they forget the things that science cannot prove. And the second thing I understand is talk, it's difficult to talk about salvation with the God of the Bible to a society that has a very humanistic mentality and thinking. Uh, Humanistic is the thinking that prefers critical thinking and uh, evidences over dogma or supernatural being or an existence of a god. This is a thinking that we can change everything, right? We can fix everything, we can learn everything, we can make ourselves perfect. And this thinking would refuse to think that we have a sinful DNA within us. However, this humanistic mentality is very contradictory because it refuses to see the enormous evidence of Jesus' existence and his resurrection. I want to use an example of comparing two uh, historical figures who have been quoted, the top two historical figures who have been quoted by people. William Shakespeare. You guys all are familiar with William Shakespeare, I think? Okay, if you haven't, this, this sermon may go for a long time. But anyway, William Shakespeare. So his writings are the second most quoted by people. However, you may or may not know this, there are no original documents of William Shakespeare in existence anywhere, none. There's no existence of William Shakespeare's original document. So there's no evidence that William Shakespeare of Stratford upon Avon, that's where he's from, one of the most revered author of the English language, There's no evidence that he can actually complete a single sentence. But he is the second most quoted person. His writings. Jesus, on the other hand, he's the top. He's always the top. There are enormous historical writings and documents of his existence and his resurrection by people who have walked with him, who have seen him, who have touched him, who have written about him, both by believers and non-believers. We, we talked a lot about the Bible, but there are a lot of writings of non-believers that talked about Jesus and how he lived and how he, they couldn't explain how he was performing all these miracles. So all historians, even those who didn't believe in God, acknowledged that Jesus lived and walked on earth. Historians, I will tell you this, a qualified historians cannot make a, that same claim when it comes to Buddha or Muhammad or any other you know, false gods. So there are a tremendous amount of evidence on the existence of Jesus, yet people still doubt his resurrection. So that's why it's difficult to talk about salvation, but we need to understand that. And it's not a surprise that people would still refuse to uh, acknowledge the existence of Jesus, because we can see from 2 Corinthians 3, it was 14 and 15, because their minds were made dull, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed. I think I have it up there. Because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil, veil, a veil covers the house. Veil? 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 Thank you. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So throughout history, then and now, some people will always have a veil over their eyes and refuse to acknowledge Jesus. doesn't matter how many um, uh, evidences that we present. So this humanistic thinking refused to believe in Jesus because it doesn't make sense, right? How one man who was born of a virgin birth, which is impossible medically to explain, who had lived a perfect life, which is impossible, no one can live a perfect life, and perform unexplainable miracles, died for all mankind, and came back alive. Also, unexplainable, how do you come back alive? after you've been dead for three days. I'm not talking about three hours or three minutes, three days. So this humanistic thinking, which prides itself on critical thinking and evidences, it's a contradictory, but it refuses to see um, the existence of Jesus despite all the historical evidences in both written documents and archeological discoveries. Right? It's a little bit contradictory. So we can talk about those things and help people see And and also one of the things that we, 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 we know is all historians agree that we cannot talk about historical events throughout the history of mankind and not recognize Jesus was the central figure in our calendar, the Western calendar at least, right? He was the central figure and the most prominent figure in the history of mankind. Yet many people still denied or downplayed his existence and his resurrection. The key is his resurrection. We need to know the key is his resurrection. Many people claim to be God and they die and they remain dead. Jesus came back alive. That is the difference. So this is why I say it is difficult and challenging to talk about Jesus. But it is necessary because we need to explain to people why they need salvation in this day and age. Because we all need help in getting rid of this sinful DNA. Right? No technological advancement, No good intentions or good works or any amount of money can help us get rid of that sinful DNA within us. People don't want to believe in a perfect and eternal God who is completely loving, who is eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, who is beyond time and space, which you can't explain that, right? Yet also completely righteous and just. That's the key there. Righteous and just. Some people may believe in a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, but when it comes to an all-righteous and all-just, it's tough for people to believe that because it's easier to believe in a God who would comply with our own personal ideas, right, so we can do whatever we want and justify to ourselves, well, you know, I kind of killed someone, but it was justified because, you know, he was looking at me funny. Right? I mean, I know that's an extreme example, but it's, it's better to believe in a God that doesn't exist at all so that we can justify the reason for what we do so we can be comfortable in the life decisions that we make and, like I said, justify the things that we do and allow us to live any way that we want. However, God has called us, those who have received salvation. He has commissioned us to be his co-laborers, to help people see that they need help in getting rid of this sinful DNA so they can receive salvation. Otherwise, because of our sinfulness within us, which I know we all know someone who is not saved, who has not received salvation. I know we all know someone, at least one person, who has not received salvation or don't know about Jesus or not saved. Because without Jesus people will end up in hell. Sadly, hell does exist. We always want to talk about nice and pretty things, and I think for the past two years, we've never really talked much about hell, which is my fault, actually. The Bible actually talks about hell a lot. Sadly, hell does exist, and it is also a very real place. And He is Jesus is the only one who can help us get rid of this innate sinfulness and live a righteous life so then we will not end up in hell. However, we have to help people make a decision so then they can not choose not to want to be in hell. In general, society in general, we like to be a little bit wishy-washy, right? We kind of want to not have to commit, not make a commitment about what we're gonna do with our future and, 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 uh, and stepping out and, and proclaiming and declaring in terms of who we are and what we believe in. But, you know, an example, as I was preparing for this, and I just felt it's the same as, you know, people are dying of thirst. You hear this example a lot. And someone offers you a water of life. The water, after you drink it, you will never thirst again, ever. So instead of accepting that water of life, you say, hey, no, thank you. I would like some vitamin water. You know, you have some flavor water that I can have some. It tastes a little bit better. Can you add some sugar to it to help it go down? Or waiting, or, or what's yet, being a non-commitment society, waiting to see if there's another option that will come along, if there's a better option that will come along, an easier option that will come along so we can still do and live the way that we want. So sharing the good news is to help people realize that they need this water of life. They they need salvation. Using the example of the man dying of thirst, right? So sharing the good news is saying, hey, hey, take this water of life. This is it. There isn't a better option to come along. There isn't a vitamin water. There isn't a Gatorade. Take this water of life. Whatever else that you're drinking, you will be thirsty again. Take this water of life and repent. This is the same thing as helping people realize and seeing that they are dying of thirst. We need to choose and help people choose. It's the same for for all people in all stations of life. It doesn't matter if we're well-dressed or we are homeless. We still need this water of life. It doesn't matter if we're sitting in a palace, a humongous home, or we're living under the bridge. We still need this water of life, and we can get it. People are dying of thirst, but sometimes they don't know it or they don't want to know it. So part of sharing the good news is to help people see the situation that they're in. Helping people realize that they need salvation. They need this water of life. And once people are able to see that they're dying of thirst, they will repent and accept the water of life. And we know that everyone, if you didn't know, everyone can accept the water of life. But there's only one water of life. That's why you may have heard this a lot, is our God is both inclusive and exclusive. You may or may not have heard that term. Because Jesus, the one true living God, he wants all people to have salvation. If you didn't know that before, he wants all people to have salvation. He does not want to condemn anyone. Not one. He doesn't want to condemn anyone to a a, a place of perpetual uh, restlessness, unrest, also known as hell. All can receive salvation, but salvation can only come through Jesus. That's why our God is inclusive and exclusive. He's inclusive from a standpoint, everyone can do it. Old, young, doesn't matter what color you are, yellow, red, brown, blue, green. But there is only one way. And we need to help people see that. There's only one way to come to him, to receive salvation. First John 5 said, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Right, in, in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. We may try to, to, to sugarcoat that water of life, but there's only one way, one way to receive salvation. And the way that people receive salvation, this water of life, is to believe in our hearts. And, and, not or, and declare with our mouths. In Romans 10, it said, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So that's why we talked a lot about the importance to speak it out, to let people know what we have committed ourselves to instead of being silent about who we are. You don't need to go around and and telling everybody about who you are, but when you get to know people, it's okay to share with people about who we are, what we believe in, what is the biggest part of our life, and what have caused us to understand the gift of salvation. And that's the only way, as I said. That's how people receive the water of life. So there's a need to understand and talk with people about salvation. This is how people receive salvation, right? Believe in your heart and declare with your mouth. Profess your faith. So having salvation, and it's important to to note that um, I have, as I have mentioned many times, I've been on the other side of not believing in God, and I've seen a lot of people think that receiving salvation is going on a missionary trip. It is not. Salvation is not, you don't receive salvation by going on a missionary trip. You don't receive salvation by working for a non-profit organization. You don't receive salvation by just loving your neighbors. That's awesome. We should all do that. But that is not how we receive salvation. We don't receive salvation by doing unto others what, was done, what we want to be done to us. We don't receive salvation that way. We don't receive salvation just for growing up in a Christian home. No, we don't receive salvation just because our parents receive salvation. And, and most of all, and I think this is an area that I see a lot of people don't fully understand, is we don't receive salvation just because we go to church. It's we do not receive salvation just because we attend church. To receive salvation, to receive this water of life, to receive salvation is not about doing any of those things. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus. That is it. It seems so easy, but it's so difficult at the same time, right? Because nowadays in this society, it's personal relationship that's, oh, let me text you. <laughs> it's easier to text someone, right? Instead of getting together with them face-to-face, talking about what's going on, sharing each other's life, because personal relationship is like, oh, I feel very vulnerable, exposed. But that is why it's so easy, but it's also difficult at the same time. Because as we have a personal relationship with Jesus, which is where we open up ourselves and invite Jesus to come into our lives and asking Him and allowing Him to transform us and and, and, and allow us to live in a new way with a new life. That is the true biblical definition of how to be of becoming a Christian. Is having personal relationship with Jesus and invite him into our hearts. And through our personal relationship with Jesus, he will make his dwelling within us, right? And counsel us and advise us on how to live life. A, a simple decision on like what to do in our new life. It may even be simple decision is in terms of like whether I should go buy a dress or a suit, I mean, as a lady. I'm just using examples as a lady. I'm not going to wear a dress. So if you want to go buy jeans or you want to buy slacks, it may be as simple as that, but also it could be as big as, should I go back to school or should I not? Should I quit my job and start my new business? He wants to tell us what's going on. He wants to lead us. He wants to counsel us in terms of how to make decisions because he has a plan for us and he wants us to know of his plan. I don't know about you guys, but who does not want to be in a relationship with the one who separated light from darkness? Come on, that's pretty incredible, right? If we stop and think about that. Who does not want to be in relationship, personal relationship, that you can say, hey, this is my bestest friend. And you know what? He can separate light from darkness. He put all the stars in the sky, and he brought life to all living beings. That's pretty amazing. You don't want to be best friend with that person, you should. I understand that it's a very basic point in terms of being a Christian, but I want to start off with this basic understanding, or maybe even like a basic reminder for all of us, because I believe that it's worth reminding ourselves that being a Christian is about having personal relationship with Jesus. We need to remind ourselves that always in in the things that we do and, and where we go, because I know you guys know that I like sports, right? So if, if you guys ever go to any athletic events, if you like music, you can go to a musical events. So if you go to an event early, before uh, the starting time, you always see the performers warm it up, right? They, they always warm it up by getting ready by performing some very basic exercises. So this is during the actual performance, they will perform those tasks or more complicated ones without thinking about it. So that's why it's good for us to always be reminded Salvation, personal relationship with Jesus, that is all it is. It's not about what we do or what we have done or what we can do, ever. It's all about personal relationship with Jesus. I'll keep saying that until everybody can actually repeat that and know that because it's good for us to always be reminded because we will go through life. We will face obstacles. We will face difficulties. We will face lies and doubts and accusations from probably our parents, our best friends, uh, our relatives. Accusations and lies about who we are and what we can do. Face challenges in our daily lives. Even simple challenges like, uh, I know the Morenos just had a kid. I know uh, Mike and Kalina are going to have number two. Simple challenges may cause us to be distracted. And I know they're not. I'm just throwing that out but it's good to remind it that we are with Jesus and we are in him. He's in us. So then we will know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is with us, right? He's in us. He will never leave us or forsake us, ever. Deuteronomy 31.6. That's why it's important for us to be reminded. You know, as I mentioned earlier, as we have this assurance of this, this knowledge, the assurance of our salvation, we will be able to live courageously. And with boldness. And, and, um, and push aside the lies and the accusations and the, and, and the doubts and the temptation. Push those things aside easily because, hey, I'm with Jesus. Who are you with? Because my Jesus is a lot stronger than your Jesus. I mean, the campfire songs, you know, my daddy is stronger than your daddy. Well, that is true in this case. Um, that was a, a long introduction into the... Uh, Assurance about salvation, and you know, I, I just want us to kick that off by by reminding us of the very simple fact. And there are going to be a lot of things that we're going to go through in this series. We're going to talk about reconciliations within salvation in terms of how, through Jesus, we're reconciled with the Father. We're one with the Father. Reconciled meaning uh, bringing two opposing parties together. I think we've gone through Colossians and we've talked about how we used to be enemies of God, but now we're one with Him. We're reconciled with God through our our salvations. Uh, Redemption, uh, as in our righteousness, has been paid for by Jesus. We can talk talk more in depth about these topics, that that Jesus had bought our righteousness through his blood on the cross. So the self-righteousness and pride and arrogance that we used to have before has been paid for by Jesus. Justifications. We can talk more about how God has declared us, declare us righteous before all of heavens, all of beings, we've been declared righteous through the blood of Jesus. Regeneration. The life of God is now flowing within us. You know, just talking about the example of the water of life. Now it's flowing within us as we accept Jesus and receive him. And it's giving us life, a new life, regenerating life. Just think of more like um, California. You know, there's usually a drought. There's always wildfires going on. But if there's Rain pouring down onto uh, the the land that has been dropped. You can see plants and flowers and trees growing again. That's what it is, regenerating a new life, giving life through Jesus. Uh, Impotations. It's about our self-righteousness. Our selfishness has been substituted by Jesus' righteousness. Uh, Sanctification. I know some of these things are very theological. It's very boring for me to write these down, actually. Um, So if it's boring for you guys, I understand. Sanctification. But these are good things to know. Because as we come into relationship with Jesus and, and be able to live out a new life, we're going to be sanctified in terms of, that's the result of us being cleansed spiritually and emotionally through this water of life, through our salvation, being made clean, made clean. Uh, adoption. We now belong to the family of God. We belong to each other. It's the, the term adoption is um, back in those days, in the Romans day, you guys may or may not know this, but Adoption is a big, big thing for the Romans because when you adopt someone, you can never, ever disown that person. You can disown your own sons and daughters in terms of your flesh and blood, but when you file a paperwork and make it legal that you're adopting someone, you cannot disown that person because when you adopt someone, you want to give them the assurity that they belong in this family. And no matter what they do or who they are, you can never disown them. And, and that's why it's an... A big term, and so something for, good for us to really fully know that once we're part of God's family, we're in his family. And uh, lastly, repentance. We talked about that a little bit, you know, recognizing that we're dying of those, And help people recognize that, that, hey, you're dying. You're dying. I have something that I can help you. As in terms of co-laborers to, to share with people about what we have and what we know and helping people to turn to God turn away from sin. Uh, As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we will also learn how to truly pray when we have a firm understanding of of our salvation. When I say truly pray, I mean understand the difference between um, John 17 versus Luke 11. So in Luke 11, Jesus' disciple asked him, teach us how to pray. And he said, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Jesus was saying this is to help us all get in the right mindset, to recognize, hey, when you pray, make sure you know our Father, hallowed be your name. Remember that his kingdom and his will comes first. That's what we need to pray for. Remember that we're dependent on him. He's giving us our daily bread. He's giving us our provisions. And thank you, God, for giving us our sins so that we can forgive others. And please lead us not into temptations. Because if we look at Luke 11, which is what I just said, and John 17, which is when Jesus actually prayed, and I would encourage you guys, read John 17. If you haven't, if you read it before, read it again you can really catch the heart of what Jesus is saying because he's praying. He didn't say in John 17, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. He didn't say any of that because he already was in that place. He just said, Father, you are, we are one. As I'm with you, you're with me. I give you the glory, please give me the glory. I love you, you love me. We're together, we're at one. Whatever you want, that's what I'm doing. Give me the power, the glory, so I can fulfill your will. That is the difference between knowing how to pray versus a method. So as we come fully to an understanding of our place and knowing our positions in, in, in our own God, we will pray with confidence, with conviction, with an awareness that we're one with him. We're together. We have been reconciled together. So we don't have to go through this follow, follow, I mean, I don't want to downplay that. So please, please, I'm not trying to downplay that. But you know what I mean? We can really pray from our hearts and just pray from a place of knowing who we are in Christ. With boldness and security. Um, okay, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go through this quickly. I actually have a lot of notes. I think we're doing okay. You guys sit with me? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that uh, I didn't say on the list is also as we come to an understanding of our salvation, we will know how to worship. We will know how to worship. We, will, we cannot help ourselves but worship our God because it's not about just being somber, but just to celebrate him, just be thankful for who he is and just thankfulness for, for this gift of life and singing with joyful songs that, and we come to know that worship is about lifting him up, acknowledging his mightiness. It's not about, oh, well, I'm just going to sing this song, repeat these lyrics, bow my head, and be in silence. No, it's about singing to the person that we have relationship with, that we know of his mighty love for us, that we love that person through our personal relationship. And so we want to grow, and then we will also grow in our relationship with Jesus through scripture and hearing from God. That's we're going to talk a little bit about the Logos and brēma. I don't know if you guys may have heard about that. It's a written word which is an actual utterance. We talked a lot about personal relationship with Jesus and learning about Jesus through Scripture. We need to learn about Jesus through Scripture. You can't just pick one or the other. We need both. Time with God and reading our, reading our Bible. Reading our Bible always. That's how we get to know Him. Um, so then we can use Scriptures to fight the lies, and, and, and not let our emotions um, dictate us or what the trend of the day tell us what we should do or what we should not do. Um, and, and also we'll know that our God, he's both the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is, all the books in the Old Testament point to Jesus. All the books in the New Testament is about Jesus. So he's one and the same. So we should not disregard, well, the Old Testament stories are too harsh, you know, too to uh, uh, too many uh, things that I, wanna, I don't want to learn about. it. But it's the same God, and we need to know that. Um, and I talked about knowing that he's always with us so we can live again, just going back to living that we're different. We're just not another Joe Schmoll down the street. At least I don't feel that way, and you guys should not feel that way. We're just not another John Smith or whatever. We're sons and daughters of God. So if we come to that understanding, we can live and talk and, and, and walk around with, with security. You know, I, I think we've seen some of the, um, the news about the royal family in England. I think well, that's one of the few. You know, when they, when they talk and walk, there's always a little differentness to them. Some people may think that they're a little bit cocky, but arrogant, I think that. But transfer that to us. We're royalties. Okay, we're royalties. I think throughout all of our lives in the past, We've been beaten down and people keep telling us, you're nothing, you're not gonna be able to achieve to anything. But we are royalties. We're like kings, we're royalties. It's, I think, Anyway, you guys know what I'm saying. Um, and understand that we, we have to have unity and, and live in the unity and honoring with each other. These are some of the things that we'll go, we'll talk more in depth in, depth in terms of receiving salvation, that making us sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. That's who we are. And um, also one last thing. I know there are a few other things, but I didn't list it. Like the local church. Understanding that the church is necessary. It's necessary. Because Jesus is building his church. And the understanding that the church is not a religion. I've said this before. It's not a religion. It's not a, It was never designed to be a religion. Never. Ever. Ever. Script. I don't see anywhere in scripture that said that the church was designed to be a religion. We, man, have made it into a religion. We have made it into a place, but the church is a gathering. It's a place of gathering for those who have personal relationship with Jesus. I know it may be just a reminder for some of us, but it's good to hear that again. It's not about the building. It's not about the, the, the structure, but it's a gathering of God's people, those who know him, who have relationship with God. And that's why God wants to use us, use the local church to share his glories with others. That's pretty amazing. We can talk more in depth about that because I wouldn't use us <laughs> to share God's glory. But he wants to use us, you know, ordinary people, or well, funny-looking people. Um, sorry, I think that may have gone too far. Uh, just all the ordinary people using us to share God's glory to share the glory of the creator of the universe. That's pretty amazing. Right? So that's why the local church is a, is a part of what God is doing and we need to understand that. And we can understand that through knowing our assurance in the salvation of our Lord Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end um, right there and I'm going to hand the mic over to, uh, to Gavin. But I want to remind us that one takeaway is everyone needs salvation. Everyone can receive salvation. Everyone should receive salvation. People may not know it. They may not realize it. May not want to accept it yet. But keep that in mind. And I want to encourage all of us to, to spend more time and understanding where, who we are in our salvation in Jesus and talk about it with others. Personal relationship. It's always easy to share about the, th- the people that you know. right? For example... I'm sure Sam can talk about Una to anyone. But it's going to be difficult for Sam to talk about Mike Conway to Gavin because he doesn't know him very well. So the example I'm trying to say is, if I know Jesus well, I can talk about him all day long. You guys will probably just leave and I'll still be here talking. (laughs) And that's what we need to know is to have an understanding of who Jesus is and be able to talk about him all day, every day. We, um, I am going to end for real. I'm going to end for real. Um, I, uh, we, we had a session, and I remember they were asking us about church planting, Vanessa and I, and I just remember, again, that we didn't really know what we were going to say. We didn't really know what we were going to do in terms of, of restoration, getting it started, but I just remember saying that, but I can talk about Jesus all day long. And they reminded me that is only because I know him. So I want to encourage you guys to the same thing. Get to know him both in our personal relationship and get to know Jesus through this. This is very challenging. I will be the first to admit it's very challenging. If you guys don't think so, you're reading the wrong Bible. This is very challenging. But it's good. It's good for us to know him so we can share with others. And salvation, and remember, it's available for everyone. But it is only through Jesus. That's the only way. So um, I'm very excited to start off with this series. You probably came wanting to know more about everything about the assurance of our salvation. But I just want to remind us again of what it is that we have. So then as we talk more about salvation, there's so many things. There's so many things we can together grow into it with an understanding, with the knowledge of, of what we have. And then, and then go share with others. Share with people. Talk with people about why... Why we all need salvation. If they don't have it, they need it. Right? I mean, I, my parents are not saved. I pray for them all the time. I talk. I actually argue with them all the time. It always ends up being argument. But I'm not going to give up because I want them to receive the same thing that I have. Because I don't want them to end up in hell. Even though we don't have relationship, That is not the place that I want anyone to ever end up, ever, especially those we know and love.